What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Varsity Breakdown Podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Guevara. And with me, as always, is Mr. Lupe Ramirez. And before we get things going, we have another person to introduce. Uh, he's going to be our Santan Valley area correspondent. Uh, please welcome to the show, Mr. Dayton Valdez, also known as Yo D. So uh, welcome to the show, brother. And uh, why don't you give everybody a, a couple minutes of, and, you know, introduce yourself a little bit. Yeah. Uh, thank you guys for welcoming me on here. It's definitely a privilege. Welcome. Um, I go by EOD. My name is Dayton Valdez. Um, I've been in Santan Valley my whole life, so I'm kind of familiar with the Pinal, a uh, lot familiar <laughs> with the Pinal County uh, sports, especially when it comes to Santan Foothills because that's my team. I played for them my junior year, and um, I also went to high school back in Florence, so I got I got some love there too. So, but yeah, um, I'm here to discuss with you guys, get my little input in there, and you know, learn learn a little bit. So, all right, well, we're happy to have you, bro. Like. I know that it's a little bit different for everybody to hear that voice secondly because usually I'm the one that chimes in, so I'm pretty sure everybody's sitting there like, what's going on? <laughs> I bet. But but we're, we're so happy to have you, bro. But, D, I got to ask because I know your hair is different from the last time I seen you when I, we were in person. How was Mexico, bro? Oh, man, it was a great bye week that I needed. Uh, a little bit of R&R with the family, you know, uh, got to spend – all my time on the beach, so I can't complain about that. Uh, you know, I wish I could have stayed a little bit longer, but I knew we got to get back and kind of wrap up uh, the football season before we kind of start diving into basketball. But uh, what about yourself? What would you do uh, during your time uh, with your week off? It wasn't bad. It actually started on Monday. And see, and this was actually before we even posted uh, anything about our bye week. Um, I actually made it to Santan Foothills High School, where then I was greeted by Miss Fields, and she, you know, walked me through the campus and and it's a nice campus so i see you know why you're proud to rep that school but um actually being there and being offered everything like it was they were so hospital and i'm i'm so gracious to that entire school for you know actually letting me be there cuz it was a special occasion because i was actually able to see uh raf's video of comeback the entire video and i'm not even going to lie the hardest part for me watching that video was fighting off the tears during uh the coach's speech of what you know coach had wrote them and I've Yo, he did a really good job on that video. It it was it was really it was really something to stand there and and watch that with them and to experience it with Eli, a lot of the other classmates that they had there. And and it wasn't just like a, a normal day in school. Like, and I get so much Miss Hodge vibes from Miss Field, like, cause like, you know, that comfortability that, that the students have with her. And bro, they had food there. I'm, I'm mad that I didn't uh, have the appetite to eat that I already had breakfast because they had like, uh, I think it's like that buffalo chicken, like dip in a crock pot. Oh yeah. Bro, that room was smelling nice. <laughs> But uh, other than that, we went to the science center as a fam, uh, got to uh, catch up with an old classmate of ours. Um, and I went to this nice coffee shop called uh, Thress Leches Cafe in downtown Phoenix. If you're ever up there and you want uh, a little bit something different from the ordinary in Starbucks, that's a nice spot to go to. Um, but other than that, it, it was pretty simple, pretty laid back. All right. All right. I know you went out there to uh, deliver a couple of uh, sweaters uh, that just came out. What do we have left as far as those go? See, that's tough. I, I know that there's just, uh, we, 
we started off with that box full. Down that box is only halfway full, and I know it's pretty much just the smaller sizes and a couple of the two XLs, I think. So if if you want them, you know, hit us up because you know they they they're gonna go soon. Um, but other than that, I I gotta go back to our last episode because I gotta apologize about how tired I was on that episode <laughs> when I listened back to it and I was listening to the segment about my top ten jerseys. I was so repetitive on the word clean. I did not use that word this whole week. Whenever I said <laughs> I was gonna wash something, I'd never say I'm gonna clean something. Like like I told you, I was like I wash my car. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But oh. I apologize for my bad use of my vocabulary. I can do better. Before we get to this past week's uh, results, and you know, of course, we had some playoff uh, games going on. Uh, let's go back one more week to our uh, week eleven recap. Uh, we're going to start with the uh, 2A and 3A uh, final regular season games. Uh, our first one, we had ALA Ironwood defeating Coolidge 28-20, to which wraps up uh, the season for both teams. And ALA Ironwood finished the season 2-7 and and uh, ranked number 30th in 3A. But that win also snapped their six-game losing streak. While the Coolidge Bears uh, finished the season 3-7, and and finished ranked number 26, a lot lower than what people had them at the beginning of the season. And after that two and one start, uh, they went one and six the rest of the way and ended up finishing the season on a four game losing streak. Uh, you guys got anything that uh, you want to add as far as both of those seasons? To say that it was disappointing would be kind of harsh. It wasn't disappointing. It was definitely less than what I'll say it was a less than season. It was less than what people expected. Mm-hmm. Um, nobody expected them to have the off-field issues that they had. And that that's Coolidge? Or, uh, yeah, Coolidge. Okay. People not sticking with that program. Um, and it showed in the last game. That was a game was a gimme. Uh, a lot of the times I like to play devil's advocate, and I, I'll choose the team that's, you know, the underdog. This team, I was like, ah, Coolidge is going to win. I didn't give ALA a chance. I gave ALA a chance against Florence, and Florence proved me wrong. Coolidge did the opposite. I mean, they... Uh, they didn't. They they put up a fight, but they just couldn't hold off the Warriors on their senior night, and and that 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 made me happy because I kind of felt like I put that into existence by speaking it. Like some, I'm, I want something good to happen for the Warriors, but mm-hmm. it's just unfortunate that it happened against the Bears. Yeah, and the Warriors were a team uh, all year long that were right in the nick of things. I mean, we always said that they were one or two stops or one or two touchdowns away from uh, their record, probably being up five and five or even a little bit better, mm-hmm. and that, them being ranked a little bit higher than what they finished at the end of the year. Uh, as far as Coolidge, uh, you hit the nail on the head, you know, uh, losing a lot of players early on throughout the season, whether it was eligibility or sticking around with the team throughout the remainder of the season. Uh, you know, both of these programs, I know coming into next year are going to have a couple pieces to um, uh, fill as far as on offense and defense. A lot of um, key pieces. It, yes, definitely. And, you know, we, we can dive into that uh, in one of our future episodes when we uh, wrap up the whole football season. Uh, so we won't speak too much on that. But like you said, uh, both teams uh, didn't have the results we were hoping for. But at the end of the day, I mean, both of them still put up good fights against quality opponents. And I can't wait to see what the uh, next year's teams bring for both teams. All right. Now let's move into another game. Now this game had us in question, all three of us, because we're like three to zero. Check your phone. Does that say three to zero? And and it it was the final score to this game was three to zero. Sequoia pathway defeats Santa Cruz. Now, 
SPA finishes the season 5-5, five and five, and they finish off the season ranked 17th in 2A and just missing the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Santa Cruz as well just missed the playoffs, and they finished 5-4, and four, and they ranked 27 in the 2A. What, what was your takeaway from this game? Was it just, just two teams just battling out and just unable to score, or, or what do you think? I mean, uh, I think the score says it itself. It was a very defensive game. We knew uh, what uh, Sequoia Pathway had on their defense, uh, especially with the Banks brothers, uh, just to name a couple. Um, actually, uh, Santa Cruz surprised me on how well their defense stopped the uh, run game for Sequoia Pathway because I know uh, having uh, Norian Banks back there, Elijah Wood, and a couple of other running backs, they can run over any team if they choose to. Uh, you know, there was only, I think, maybe two or three quality teams that actually shut down their run game. Uh, but at the end of the day, I mean, it was it was the type of game I was hoping for, you know, a hard uh fought game uh you know somebody had to win but uh the biggest surprise for me is that you see uh sequoia pathway they ranked at number 17 at the end of the year remember they had to forfeit their very first game of the season uh so they took an l on that one and then if you look down at it and why we say winning your region is so important number i believe 28 or 29 chinley who finished i want to say three and six or three and seven they won their region and ended up taking a spot in the playoffs when you're on the on the edge right there of making the playoffs you know that there's going to be a region that's not as competitive and one of those teams are going to take one of the 16 spots and so if you're not at least i'd say 12 or higher you might be looking on the outside looking in depending on where other teams fall and that's just from the 3a down right yes that that's in uh 3a and 2a i'm not exactly sure uh, yeah, how we don't one, have any 1a teams so yeah yeah I, i'm not even uh, sure how that um playoff bracket goes but for 2a and 3a if you win your region you're an automatic bid into the playoffs and so f- unfortunately for sequoia pathway you know they were on the outside looking in where somebody uh ended up taking a spot that could have been theirs especially if they didn't have to forfeit that first game yeah, and it was a lot of close games that they had. But I got to give kudos to Santa Cruz because mm-hmm. even though they lost the game, they, they like you said, they held that tough run defense and they neutralized Vinny Sanchez, which isn't something easily done. And, I mean, like you said, it was a really tough game. It, it was a really head-scratching game because we didn't know if it was right or not. But then when we verified who the scorekeeper was, we were like, oh, no, this this is legit. And see, and that's one thing I kind of miss about uh, one of the four teams we're going to talk about next. Um, ben Gutierrez, you and CG, bro, I miss you so much because you would be able to communicate everything with us from plays to everything that happened on the bench and everything. So I just wanted to let you know we miss you, man, and, and your presence is very much missed. But we hope that retirement is treating you well brother take care since you already uh brought up our 4a and 5a uh teams uh let's uh move into their final scores which uh the Casagrande uh cougars defeated the mesquite uh wildcats 36 to 13 uh snapping uh Casagrande's four game losing streak while ala gilbert north uh defeated uh, apache junction in a good battle uh, between two of the top uh, 4a teams uh winning 35 to 21 and Combs uh, defeated Seton Catholic 48-0. to zero. Any surprises there for you guys? Uh, I would say Apache Junction. You know, Apache Junction has been playing hard, hard football. I haven't mm-hmm. seen a team like this for Apache Junction in a while. It's been, it's been a minute, time. yes, for sure. I mean, as long as I've been in San San Valley, at least 
looking from the inside in. So um, I would say that would be my biggest. I would say Combs holding Seton Catholic to zero. That that was surprising. I would think that Seton Catholic would actually put a little bit more of a fight, but that was super surprising to me. It was different. Uh, one thing I want to say is big congratulations to Coach Jake Barrow because <clears throat> him and the Corona del Sol Aztecs actually made it are, are in the talks of the uh, Open 8 tournament, mm-hmm. and they're doing really good in 6A. So if I'm not mistaken, I think they won their region, If correct? Uh, I'm, I'm not too sure. I'll have to uh, dive into that one because – uh, I Whoa, have not... you're telling me that I, I actually kept up with a little bit more football than you during the bye week? Hey, man, it's hard to keep up with 12 teams as it is. Hey, that's but, scary, you know, bro. Uh, that's scary. Hey, but kudos to you, though. You know, uh, I actually got to uh, watch a little bit of the Casa Grande and Mesquite game. And, you know, it was good to finally see Casa Grande get things going. I mean, it didn't happen in the first half. Uh, it, it took that second half because I believe uh, they were tied 13 to 13 at halftime. Or, or if not, Casa Grande was only up a couple of points. So to see them finally uh, break away uh, in the second half, that was something really good to see, especially how uh, that four-game uh, losing streak was kind of hanging over their heads. So it's, for them to finally snap it, it, it was something that I was excited to see. It gives them a lot of positive momentum moving into this week, especially finishing up their season. Uh now, I kind of got a little bit ahead of myself, but let me talk about our 5A teams. Now, this one's tough because Central defeated Maricopa 34-25, to and this was a game where we were expecting Maricopa to actually come up on top. Um, at halftime, they weren't really ahead like we were anticipating, but uh, it looks like Central held their ground and, and showed why they actually kept their momentum going after their loss against Casa Grande. Um, moving into the next game, Post and Butte defeated Marcos Deniza 39 to 11. And that was uh, not necessarily a surprise, but the, the, the score difference because Marcos Deniza was undefeated. Mm-hmm. And I, I know it's been a week, but some of the trolling that the Broncos did to these Padres was so brutal, bro. Like, I think it was Ja'Kai Robertson that that posted the, the video, I think, on TikTok was like, Marcos Deniza lifted up the camera and the whole team is behind him and said, what happened? They said something else that I couldn't make out. But, oh, man, these kids are something else, bro. Their, their internet presence is strong. <laughs> oh, That's yeah. Hilarious. Oh, yeah, definitely. You know, and actually, I might have to change it then. I like the the Marcos Deniza and Post and Butte. That has to be a huge one for me, honestly, just because undefeated Marcos Deniza and they they put a, they put a blowout right now. I mean, thirty nine to eleven. I mean, it's mm-hmm. pretty impressive by the Post and Butte Broncos. Oh, most definitely, definitely. And then Canyon del Oro defeated Vista Grande at home, which was really tough because we thought that Vista Grande was going to be able to to keep their wheels going and defend their home turf, but the Dorados just proved to be way too tough for them. Oh yeah, they're they're one of the top uh, three teams. I I believe they might even be number two right now, uh, you know, in the 4A division. Just a little bit too much for the Spartans, uh, snapping uh, their six-game win streak. But we knew uh, what type of game that this was going to be. Either it was going to be a hard, uh, a hard-fought match, you know, where the Spartans were going to be able to control the Dorados. But you get to see, you know, when you're playing those upper echelon teams, just how things can quickly change uh, for you as a team, especially when you're playing a team like CDO. Well, they have one more game to go, and we'll get into that later. But I just kept shaking my head, yes, because you you took all the words out of my mouth. But let's talk about some 
something that we all three experienced because this was actually the first time where we we actually met you, uh, D. I, I, I'll, I'll just say yo, D. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm, if, in, on our show, I know that you, I don't know how you, how you go on your other shows because you're a very talented man. You have multiple podcasts that you're on. Appreciate but you. on this one, I'm going to just say yo, D. All yeah, right. So, works. all right, yo, D. Uh, how was your first experience with us at the Gila River Bowl? Like you said, you played four Santan Foothills and you have some, you know, foot in Florence. And I, if, if I'm not mistaken, you actually told me before off air that you spent your entire educational life in the Florence School District. So tell us about how your experience was at the Gila River Bowl. It was amazing. I mean, coming back to even just both schools, looking at both of them. I mean, I played, like I said before, I played for Santa Foothills. I never got to play for Florence, um, unfortunately. But uh, just being back over there at Florence, it was, it was amazing vibe. And then you guys are amazing out there taking all those pictures and really getting involved with the players and the coaches you just feel the atmosphere it was just it was amazing I, I enjoyed it i appreciate you guys for inviting me to that as well great prop at me- memories too i mean <laughs> that, that's okay. a rival game right there i mean so a quick question uh being that you played uh for santan foothills were you ever a part of winning a gila river bowl no so the gila river bowl was the year after i left okay unfortunately so i never got a chance to play there but you know it it's huge in that community. So, in your time in an STF uniform, what was the most memorable game you uh, have in your career there? Sheesh. Um, I would say we played. I think it was Gilbert Christian, if I'm mistaken. It was just a lot of smack talking, and then <laughs> uh, it went. It was down to the wire. So, like, it, we lost unfortunately by one touchdown. But it that that one would have to be my most favorite. Bro, Gilbert Christian's been tough, huh? Yeah. Oh yeah, at least in their division. In their division. That's crazy. I, I I didn't think that they had, you know, that they've been in the system that long. But, mm-hmm. man, that's that's good to know. Well, it was a good back and forth game. And we talked about it, me and you, uh, D, Daniel. <laughs> it's going to be, like I said, this is going to be kind of <laughs> tough, guys. I got to transition, but I'm pretty sure the, the listener is going to have to bear with yeah. me. They'll decipher our voices over time. Yeah, they'll yeah. figure out who I'm talking to. Um, but we talked about it before when we went to the game that if – if it was going to be a big scoring game that obviously we had to, you know, put our money on red and say that Florence has it. If it's a close game and and Florence doesn't take Santan seriously, we got to put our money on black and go Santan Foothills. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what happened. And it was it. And we talked about it on the ride up here. It was such a good game. What, what did what are your takeaways from that game? Just a little bit. There are so many things I could pick apart from that game. First off, let me just say I didn't realize that Josh Jackson wasn't going to play in that game. Uh, So that, to me, kind of changed the whole dynamic of Florence's offense. They ran uh, through Josh majority of the season, uh, you know, and then to have uh, Quaid um, Lewis uh, right behind him and then picking each other up. It's what made that run game so dangerous. And then you'd have uh, Logan Stenson just throw it over the top to one of his uh, great receivers out there. So I think not having Josh in the game definitely changed a lot of things for me. Uh, But the other thing I took away uh, was Santan Foothills not having um, their coach present. You know, he was away uh, dealing with the family matter. And to see that team... And the amount of emotion and passion they played with, it definitely made me understand what kind of man and coach that they had in order for them to lay it out and pretty much dedicate the entire game to him. 
in, in you know in his family. What what about you? Yeah, it, it it was really tough for the Gophers to not play without Josh Jackson. But one thing that was uh, uh, brought up by you a little bit was Logan Stenson and his wide receiver core were solid. Mm-hmm. I mean, you look at Tyler Potter and Anthony Pistorio; that they held it down. They they you know they they did their own to to make sure that it went down to the wire like it did. Um, one thing that I was really torn on and I didn't want to speak on, but I have to kind of a little bit was the officiating confusion. Like there was so many plays that were stopped and the ball went forward. The ball went back. The ball went right back to where the play was. The ball went forward. The ball went back and, and it happened for so long. So I know, I know exactly what you're talking about. And that's uh, when you had uh, the Florence player, I believe it was day day uh, who uh, tackled um, Dalton, uh, the quarterback for Santan Foothills and tackled or well he he pretty much slammed him you know we'll, we'll be honest about it uh you know he he slammed him pretty far outside of the the playing field and so from that point you saw a little scuffle go on uh where uh you know Santan Foothill players are trying to defend their player of uh, Florence players you know it, it yeah, just it's, their, it's the, their QB yeah it's their QB it's the altercation you know so that's where you've seen the, the referees even confused as to, okay, who's being penalized here and what's going to be the end results of it. And we actually uh, got to see an injection, which we were both surprised. Oh, well, actually, all three of us mm-hmm. were pretty surprised about, which you saw um, number 70 uh, for Santan Foothills, uh, Angel Ochoa. He was ejected. And, you know, I felt that if you were going to, eject anybody it should have been on both sides you know if if you weren't going to eject one player then neither uh team should have had a player ejected but even though uh florence's player initiated the contact and made that play it ultimately hurt uh santan foothills because not only did they lose their starting center but they also lost him for the playoff game uh that we'll talk about coming up and so for me, that was the biggest shocker out of that whole thing. I didn't feel like the play was the deciding factor, I guess, in that game. Uh, you know, it definitely did um, pump up uh, Santan Foothills uh, sideline, you know, uh, later on in the game. But at the same time, I felt that either both players should have been ejected or you just give offsetting penalties and get back to playing the game. Yeah, that's what I was, if, if they were going to eject anyone, they should have taken the measures equally. And they didn't. I honestly wouldn't have put any measures that high to be able to eject someone out. No, but going back into the officiating confusion, I, I don't know if you, uh, any of you guys saw it, but uh, you you were recording, so you had to have seen it mm-hmm. or had an angle of it. Um, while we were at the game and on the sideline, I was you know fortunate enough to speak and actually be around uh, Mike, our, our friend from Eastmark, who I referred to in the past episode as QT guy. Yeah. Um, he was there, and he's like, "Hey, bro, come here." He's like is this a touchdown? And he showed me the video of Florence's first touchdown that was called a touchdown. Mm-hmm. Bro, he was half a yard shy. But because of the referee calling it a touchdown, even though he was on the blind side, it got ruled a touchdown. And and that was definitely a shift in the game. Mm-hmm. I, like it, it, it was so many things that, that, that had this game going down to the wire. Like Eugenio Sandoval in the, in the first half w- looked unstoppable. This was something that was uncharacteristic of Florence because for them to not be able to stop a runner, it, it, it just showed that he was ready to play because number four was lightning up and down that field. It, it, was, it, it was a clear sky, but yeah, that four was Bolton. For, for me, I think the biggest surprise, and I think uh, 
me and D were talking about it was uh, the onside kick by Santan Foothills. Right, right, yeah, yeah that, that, right, right. That, that, was, that set them up for uh, some amazing uh, field position for Florence to drive down with a, a minute or less um, in the game. And I think that, you know, it kind of gave them the momentum, especially going into overtime. But, uh, like, for me, that that was the, the big thing we were talking about on the sidelines. Like, why not kick it deep and have them travel down the other uh, field? And I know I'll probably give one reason as to why they didn't do that, and that's because of uh, number two, uh, uh, Dede Neal. Yeah, he was still in the game at that point. We've seen him uh, in his return game, especially uh, against Eastmart when he almost took it to the house against them. But either way, I mean, they went into overtime. What were your guys' like, predictions as we got into overtime and you seen Florence take the field first? When I saw Florence take the field first, I, in my mind, I, I told myself if they, if they get a touchdown, they put up seven, it, they, they got it. But if they settle, which is what they did, they settled for a field goal. And, and, and it's not settled because they got lazy. Santan played them tough that entire game. And they had a lot to play for. So for them to get that field goal, I was like, there's a chance. But in my mind, I'm just like, who's going to run it? Like, they had so many options. And one thing that was really kind of off for me was Dallas wasn't running the ball a whole lot this game. And he spent a lot of his time on defense and doing his thing there. Trust me, that's why it was the game it was. Mm-hmm. But I, I think I even talked to... Uh, I, we were talking to David, David Ravala. Shout out, David. When we were talking to David, I was like, what kind of balls does your assistant coach have to go in the air on the first play of overtime mm-hmm. with a backup quarterback? Okay. Yeah. That's what I was going to mention, too. It's like at that point, uh, Dalton got hurt mm-hmm. and they had to use their backup quarterback to go in there and score. And then what amazing job he did. I mean, first drive. <laughs> yeah, and and Chris Speck, we we got to speak to him after the game. the The look on his face was something I seen before uh, when we spoke uh, spoke to Josh Via after his game winning field goal. That was the oh, same, kind, yeah, yeah. That was the same kind of look he had in his eye where he, it was just unbelievable. He couldn't believe he did it, but yeah, it was such a wild, crazy game. And I I just remember that night ending in the parking lot where we stayed there till pretty much like there was eight cars there, and we're like, all right, guys, we'll, we'll take off. Oh yeah, we we could have went through that uh, back and forth on that game all day long. Final thoughts. Overall, the experience, the outcome of the game, what did this game mean to you guys and the experience you had between two great teams and a great rivalry that went on? Yodi, I'll let you have this one first. Uh, for me, because both those schools are, I hold uh, to heart. So with Santan winning, that was like, it was very emotional. So like, I, I, I like the type of energy that was right after they're very grateful you know very humble you know they um they did it for their coach like you guys are saying like it was just a beautiful moment for them but overall i think it was just an amazing game went to ot glad we were there because you know it was actually i think our first overtime game yes uh, it was in in, in any sport in any sport i believe that's our first overtime even uh even professional sport games that we've been to we've no no i've been to one no but just not with you Oh, well. Yeah, see, so it's different. Yeah, no, but, like, I mean, covering high school sports, that's our first overtime game. So I didn't mean to cut you off, but go ahead. No, no, go ahead. No, uh, overall, my experience was great. Like, I got there a little bit ahead of you. Uh, I got to take a good shot of the field before game time. And even before that, I got to catch up with a couple of players' parents. I got to keep – I got to catch up with uh, Wrangler Gilliam's dad. So I got to speak to Mr. Gilliams and also uh, Darren Swain's father, Daryl. That's a tongue twister when you try to not say that wrong the first time. Um, and it was great to, you know, actually have conversations.
conversation with him before the game and 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 get feedback because uh, he gave me a little bit of insight and because he had said you know he had commented on on a previous post and took it back and, and and we had noticed but then I told him too that 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 interaction is crucial to us because as much as we do this for the kids the the parents are our audience too because I'm pretty sure there are a, a, a lot more parents that listen to this more than kids but I mean if uh, if we could have that precise demographic, I'm pretty sure it would be nice to see. But uh, it was a good experience to to from everybody, from all the faculty. I know that uh, Florence had their athletic director on the sidelines, you know, and, and helping keep up with all the craziness, like I was mentioning before with uh, officiating. And it, it was a good experience, especially at the end, to, to, to see Santan have that storybook season. And, and I say that in, in all the right ways. I, I wrote them off in the beginning of the season. Mm-hmm. Whenever I got, and I'm, I'm, this is the first time I'm saying this, you know, in public. When I got that debit card, do you remember what I told you <laughs> why I'm getting that card? Because you felt bad for them? I felt bad for them. I was like, I'm going to support our most losingest team, and I'm going to make my debit card the Santan Foothill Sabercats. Hey, but now you're cashing it out, I'm ca- Every time <laughs> I swipe that thing, this is a winning swipe, man. <laughs> that, that's pretty hilarious. But now for me, I think, that was our game of the year. You know, I don't know if probably maybe when we come across uh, one of our 4A or 5A playoff teams, that was the one for me. It was just like the the build up to it, the shirts that were made, the, you know, the videos that were going out. It was what a rivalry game is supposed to be about. There was there was nothing that was too much. Like, it's like, okay, you know what? This team went overboard. It was nothing like that. And even the respect at the beginning of the game where all t- uh, where every uh, player and coach were, yes. you know, uh, locked in and they all walked up and greeted each other. You don't really see that happen very often. So the respect of both teams and both coaching staffs to make that happen and then for them to, uh, you know, both sides to leave it on the field, both teams have earned their respect this year and – why they made it to the playoffs because let's be honest we had Florence at middle of the pack we already know where we had Santan Foothills but even for Florence to finish the season uh at eight and two they have nothing to hang their heads about because they went and proved us wrong every single week no matter what game we threw at them like oh you know what this is the one they're not getting past this game and sure enough they they were able to do it Mm -hmm. there was one game this whole season where I was like you know what this team lost from the beginning of the game to the end. And that was against East Mark, but not very many teams can sit there and say, oh yeah, we beat them except for Thatcher. So, you know, for both teams to sit there and leave it out on the field and for Santa Foothills to finally snap that five game, uh Gila river bowl uh, losing streak. I mean, it, it was, it was a bittersweet moment, you know? And like I said, I enjoyed every part of it. And I definitely can't wait to see uh, those teams come uh, across paths uh, next year. I, I do have a question that I think a lot of people are going to ask. You think it? You think um, they would have won that game if Josh Jackson was in there? I never like to leave things as to what ifs, but if I answered that question, it would have been a different game. I, I mean, do I know that the results would have been the same? I'm not sure because I know what type of defense that Santan Foothills brings, mm-hmm. but at the same time, I know what type of offense 
uh, Josh Jackson can bring to the, uh, the Florence's offense. What, what, what about you? Yeah, what about you? My response is, yeah, it would have definitely been a different game. Would Florence would have been able to win it? Of course. Yeah, they would have been able to win it because they or they had their their best option, you know, on offense in the game. I, I was surprised to see him on the sideline. When I saw him, before, you know, pregame, I, I saw him, you know, in street clothes, uh, half street clothes and a jersey. I didn't think anything of it because I was like, oh, it's pregame. He's probably just chilling. And when I saw him on the sideline, sidelines, as I was, you know, taking my photos, I was like, oh, he's out. Mm-hmm. This is going to be a good game game uh, it, it could be a good game or it could be really disheartening for Florence but it wasn't it was not that uh but yeah it, it if Josh was there yeah they could have won if if he was there and the, the, we would have been talking about a totally different game and I don't know I I, I feel kind of pressured right now because <laughs> the last time I made comments on something like this it kind of turned but yeah I mean it it was unfortunate that he wasn't in that game I, I know that he uh if he was, that there would have been a lot of players in that black uniform that would have, you know, held him strong. Five four, Bo Cotherman would have, you know, definitely, you know, did his thing Amazing in the middle, leader. yeah, mm-hmm. to 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 hold him back. But but he did that, you know, for his backups to Quaid, to to everybody else that stepped up and and unfortunately got you know pushed back. Yeah, but it it was just a great turnout from both sides. The amount of energy from the Florence sidelines when, you know, that their crowd interactions and then, and the same equal side on the Santan foothills, it didn't matter how small those bleachers were. They packed them out. They popped their, their poppers and, and everything else. It was, and they brought their music. That was mm-hmm. one thing that was nice. They, they brought their own music. It, it, it's a whole different experience with Santan Foothills. And, and that's one thing that I'm grateful for, for adding them this year, is Santan is just so loved, bro. Like, I, I, I'm glad that they, they welcomed us as much as they have. And, and I'm looking forward to basketball season because I know Jalen uh, Fulton. I know that I you know, didn't get to say his full name. But, yeah, Jalen Fulton is going to be playing basketball. So I'm going to be looking forward to seeing what he does on the court. And then we've been doing this little beyond the game segment and we got to catch up with Bo Cotherman on the last one and, and he's looking forward to baseball you and I played baseball together and I, I know that that's one thing that you know I'm going to look forward to seeing him excel in too so it, it, it it's a lot of good things to look forward to especially for our two and three a teams who, whose seasons are already over now but you know a lot of those uh, players are two three sport athletes and they got a lot of things to expect for this school year. Oh, yeah. So, you know, we're going to be talking about a lot of Florence and uh, Santan Foothills going forward, especially into the basketball season. Uh, But let's uh, move on into the implications that this game held. So with Santan Foothills uh, beating Florence, uh, they locked up the number 10 seed in the 3A playoffs while Florence uh, dropped to uh, the number 11 seed. And uh, Santan Foothills uh, had to take on a tough uh, Sabino Sabercats team and ultimately uh, dropped that game 49-23, to uh, ending their season. Uh, but they finished the season 7-4, and and that's the most wins that they've had since the 17-18 and season when they finished 8-3. and What are your expectations for, um, and I'll, I'll ask Dee this first, seeing what uh, Santan Foothills did this year, and only winning a combined two games the last two years. Is this something we can uh, be accustomed to seeing from uh, the Sabercats going forward? Um, from the grasp of it, I mean, they have a young team. They have a young unit. Their quarterback, their starting quarterback is a sophomore. And, you know, they, they have a lot of potential. A lot of potential. I mean, that, co- that whole coaching staff is amazing. I mean, by way to say coach of the year, I mean, 
Yeah, go, I, I would go that direction. I'm not going to lie. Oh, yeah. He's, uh, coach Carlin's definitely a front runner for coach of the year if they're giving out a, awards in Pinal County. So, yeah, definitely. And and that was something that we we felt apparent uh, when we first met Coach Carlin, because he when he, you know, introduced himself and he, he made uh, us aware of how he, you know, got to know about us. And it, it, it was just a great overall experience. And it was really sad to hear that, you know, him and his family had suffered that tragedy. But to see the way that community got together and played for him and ended up getting that big victory, you, Zach, Raph, all able to capture that moment at the end when when Coach was able to finally get through to Coach Carlin. He's like, hey, we got, our boys want to say something. And they all got up and cheered and said we, and said we won. That Man, I got so much goosebumps during that moment. And, and it was hard to keep my camera still during that because it, it, it was it was a really good end to our 2A and 3A season. Before we move on, uh, I just want to finish with this. It's going to be uh, awesome to see the returning players who they've this was the first time they made the playoffs since they've been in high school. So now they finally got a little bit of taste of what the playoffs uh, really holds. Now it's time to see who's going to be that new bow or that new Eli and step up and know what it takes to get back to this point. Because I know once they got that taste, they're going to want to come back and go a little bit further. Or I'll even take it a step further. You being from the Santan area, do you think with the, the Sabercats having this type of a good season that it might actually like sway interest of those middle schoolers that might be questioning whether I'm going to go to Poston, I'm going to go to Combs, I'm going to go to Florence, or I'm going to go to Santan? What do you think about that? I, it definitely does take a, vac- a factor that they're actually um, improving so much. So I would say, yeah, in, in a way. But um, I didn't even realize that your headphones are Santan Foothills colors. Oh, really? <laughs> Blue, gray, and white. Hey, there we go. Hey, meant to be, huh? Meant yep. to be. But yeah, I would say a lot of kids would be interested to go there. Yeah, because I would think that, right? Mm-hmm. But all right, let's let's move on into our our other team that got into the playoffs, the Florence Gophers, who unfortunately suffered a defeat to the Round Valley Elk, twenty six to thirteen. Florence finished their season eight and three total. Like you said earlier, it was nothing to hang their heads on. It, they continually proved us wrong, and I think it, it, it's kind of tough because we didn't have that kind of uh, clear interaction with those players last year. I think the only uh, real interaction with a player that we had was with uh, young Jet Scott, and unfortunately he transferred, so that kind of communication was a little bit swayed. But this year, we built up really good relationships with with players like Anthony Pistorio. Like I'm looking forward to seeing what he does throughout his you know. Uh, professional and academic career because he's got a lot of heart out there. Seeing him play uh, each game we've been out there, it, it makes you happy to see 17 You know, be such a vocal leader on the field. And not even just when he's on the field. When he's on the sidelines, he's he's hyping up his uh, uh, teammates on defense and special teams. It's, it's players like him that make what we do so great. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, these guys, these seniors, uh, you know, who I'm sure we're in the same boat as Santan Foothills. Like, hey, let's go out and leave our mark on this season. This is the first, just like Santan Foothills, this is their first winning season since the 2017-18 uh, school year, uh, which they finished 8-3. and three. So for those seniors, you know, who have to hang up their cleats and their helmet, I'm excited to see what they do as far as where they go you know we see uh, they're a very senior heavy team 
And, uh, you know, I know that they left it all out there, you know, and they, they almost pulled up and pulled out an upset against uh, Round Valley. But, you know, uh, when you travel far like that, you know, you don't know what referees you're getting or how that game's going to play out. Uh, I don't know if you noticed uh, during uh, some of the twi- uh, Twitter feeds, that was a big thing, uh, which was the refereeing uh, up north. And like I said, it just kind of uh, sucks because you never know what team you're going to get dealt or where you're going to have to travel to. And these guys, they should be uh, so proud of themselves for uh, the type of season they accumulated, especially with the first year head coach and coach Hart, because that guy had them bought in from day one. And that, and that's honestly like from the day we met them all uh, during media day, that was the first thing you heard from all those players was hey, y'all better be ready because this ain't the same team that you guys covered last year. And you definitely saw that this year. So, you know, even though they are very senior heavy, uh, their young uh, JV team uh, and I believe uh, their um, freshman team had a winning record this year. I think they only lost one game all year long. So they have a lot coming up. And we saw how big uh, that JV team was. They were, had about 40 kids just like their varsity team. So a lot of pieces that are going to be coming up and trying to fill some big shoes because, I mean, from Wrangler, um, from Day Day, Quaid, like, I mean, those are some – leaders that you're losing that you're it's definitely hard to replace so i know Aiden. you know yes and and it like i mean the list can go on because mm-hmm. of how how many players that they do have and at the end of the day man i'm excited to see what coach hart can do with that team now that they know what their true potential is and that is having a winning season and making the playoffs every every year there should be no exceptions from this point forward this is the first year where I felt like Florence's winning traditions were back. Mm-hmm. And it was it was set way before the season. Like if, uh, if you got a chance to see what they were doing, you know, preseason on, on social media, they meant business. And this year, when they look back at the end of the season at their final record, it's exactly that. They had a turnaround season. This is the program that we were used to in school that that we when we had them on our schedule, we looked forward to it because this was a love hate game. We loved playing them. But we had this weird sense of hate for them because they were our rivals and they were good and they were <laughs> so good. It, it would, it would be so different if they were our rivals and we just walked through them all the time, but they, they had tremendous athletes and that's still to this day. They always have tremendous athletes and a couple of uh, the Neil boys, they're not going to be there this year. You, you said day day and, and it's going to be a big difference from this year, but I don't see this team going downhill. I just can, I see them continually going up. Now, if, being that these two teams are both, or, you know, and we can even talk about ALA, Ironwood, and Coolidge in the same region. If we see uh, Eastmark finally move up, you know, to 4A eventually, who would you guys say uh, has the front-running uh, position to win that region going forward? I mean, isn't Thatcher in there as well? No, no, no Thatcher's no. in uh, the uh, 3A South, I believe. Around Valley? Nope, they're, no. they're north, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, then uh, that's... So, it, I mean, it's up for grabs with the uh, reemergence of uh, Florence and Santan Foothills. And I'm sure ALA Ironwood's going to uh, try to get back into uh, their winning ways. And, of course, uh, Coolidge as well. This could be one of the funnest regions coming into next year. It's going to be super exciting. Yeah, definitely. It's going to be a, a big question mark as to who's going to take that top spot when Eastmark leaves. I don't know. 
Well, well, we'll leave that one up, uh, you know, when the, when that time comes, because I know we're going to have a full breakdown of uh, everybody's season and who they're losing and, uh, you know, who they're bringing back. OK, but I got a question for both of you uh, as football players. Do you think that Florence's play going back to their playoff game last week? I know there's, you know, no changing it. But do you think that them playing in the dome also had an effect on the way they played as to not playing on a normal field or outside in a stadium? Um, I think it can have an impact. I mean, the noise echoes a little bit more, you know, as far as uh, the cheering. I'm sure Round Valley, they, to me, are like Sholo uh, and Snowflake when it comes to packing their house. Uh, their their communities go all out for uh, especially playoff games. Uh, so I would think that if they had that house uh, packed like I expect or that dome packed like I expected them to. It does uh, play a factor, especially when a quarterback's trying to get out the play and you're just getting that echo of uh, uh, cheering, uh, you know, going uh, draining everything out. So that that would be my uh, perspective on it. What about yeah, you, Yodi? I would have to agree. That and also just traveling, not being at, you know, at okay. home field. Because that's about a four-hour drive, too. Yeah. yeah, that's a long trip. Long trip. Uh, but let's uh, keep things going and move into the rest of our Week 12 uh, recap. As we had uh, Apache Junction uh, defeating Arcadia 42-21. to ALA Queen Creek uh, defeating Casa Grande 43-6. Combs defeating Arizona College Prep 36-20. to uh, Snowflake defeating Post and Butte 28-7. Micah Mountain defeating Vista Grande 42 to 14 and Fairfax uh, topping Maricopa 54 to 27. Any game out there that jumps out to you guys as something you didn't expect this week? I would say the Snowflake and the Post and Butte game. That's 28 to 7. And yeah, that I, I would definitely agree. Uh, that That's a big one for me. Um, I don't know what exactly happened that game. Uh, usually when you see uh, Post and Butte scoring uh, only seven points, the run game got stopped in a way and because they, they don't pass it very much. Mm-hmm. They, they don't need to. That's how well that their run game is. So for them to only put up seven points, you know, Snowflake's defense was a one uh, that night. That was my biggest takeaway that that, like you said, Snowflake's defense was on point that they 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 stopped those Broncos that that that's something that not even Apache Junction could do. So for the for Snowflake, a team that just you know recently moved up into that uh for a uh, conference, it, it's really good to see a program like that and programs uh, similar to them like Thatcher that are moving up and keeping their winning ways going. No, I definitely agree because uh, you don't see that very often. You see a team move up and they're going to struggle, you know, for a couple of years to kind of get acclimated to that level of play. But for me, I think the biggest uh, game that I could take away was Combs beating Arizona College Prep. And the only reason was a few weeks ago, uh, me and you were sitting down wondering how Arizona College Prep were in considerations of the Open 8. I believe they were one of the 15, 16 teams uh, seated in uh, in that Open 8. So for Combs, uh, who's kind of not gotten the respect by the AIA as far as what their ranking says, for them to knock out a team that you know, uh, the AIA kind of holds pretty high and beating them by t- uh, two touchdowns. I think that Combs is going to get a lot of respect going forward, especially once uh, this season wraps up this week. Yeah, they definitely deserve it. And one thing I got to say about Combs is shout out to the Combs 
news media network because they help us out so much when we try to figure out what the score is. And one thing that made me happy was seeing uh, their stories and seeing their students going into an FBLA conference. And that made me so happy, especially because you and I were in FBLA together and seeing those students doing that same thing. And look at us now, bro. Business (laughs) leaders. No, for sure, man. And like I said, Combs has to be one of the hottest teams right now. I mean, Apache Junction um, and Post and Butte, we were expecting that this year from them. And especially when we talk about the trio of Apache Junction or the run game of Post and Butte, Combs right now, for me, would be the team that I don't want to play if I'm an opponent going into this playoffs. Yeah, I would definitely say that too. Is you Would you rather... Who, if you're a team, who do you fear more, Combs or Post and Butte coming off this tough loss against Snowflake? I don't know, man, because uh, Post and Butte comes back off of a loss and they play aggressive. You know, I think we saw that against Apache Junction when we were at that game. They come back a little bit more prepared, but it's something different about a team that's hot right now. You know, and it's not like Combs played some walkthrough games. They played some opponents where we're like, Man, they pulled out that victory like it was a shocker for us. Well, we saw what they did to Coolidge during that rain out or rain delay game. Mm -hmm. Bro, like we had to we had to catch up with Tanner and the boys and say, yo, you guys are tough. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? And I and to me, I mean, at at any level you play at, if a team is hit, it's all about the team that's, you know, getting hot at the right time. And it's the end of the season. You've seen Apache Junction have a couple a little stumble here and there. Uh, on a game or two you've seen post and butte but every single uh combs game as of late they've been in ready to dominate each and every team so it's gonna be a fun 4a playoffs like don't get me wrong and i think at the end of it we might have three uh 4a teams in that playoffs representing pinal county well we'll talk about how they do this week in the games but let's talk about the rankings as of now for 4A, Post and Butte sits at number four, sitting at number six, Apache Junction. And Combs, they're creeping in right there at number 14. And unfortunately, Vista Grande just not getting the love from the AIA, and they're sitting at 24 right now. Um, any thoughts, surprises of, of where those teams are right now? Um, Honestly, I see po- Post and as just a strong team, so I agree with the number four on there. Number six, Apache Junction, they're playing amazing football, unbelievable football, so I... I I can agree there. Um, Combs, I think they're kind of slightly, you know, not giving them their respect where it's due, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Yep. But from there, Vista Grande, I'm sorry. But, you know, it's just how the dice roll sometimes, you know. And, and uh, I mean, if you look at Vista Grande right now, they're kind of in the same boat as what Santa Cruz was. Mm-hmm. They went on a great win streak, uh, but they played lower class, uh, lower tier teams. And so with that, you're not going to get – the strength of schedule you need to bump into that top 16 uh, uh, teams. Uh, But yeah, like I think you hit the nail on the head for me. It it was seeing Combs at 14. I easily think that they're a top 10 team and that's might be me being biased with our Pinal County teams, but I mean, they are playing some great football. And I think, I think if they uh, beat their next opponent, pretty, uh, pretty good, you might see them bump up a couple of spots because to me, if things ended right now, I think that they're playing uh, like Snowflake or somebody like that, and w- which would be a good game. But I still think that, you know, they should have a little bit easier of an opponent for the amount of uh, wins that they've uh, accumulated this year. 
I, I, I agree with you, Yodi. I think that the, the Combs Coyotes definitely could be a little bit higher, even definitely in the top 10 uh, conversation. But Vista Grande, like even though they've faced the teams that they have, I think that they should be just on the cusp of the 20 mark. And before we get into the 5A rankings, let's talk about something that uh, our good friend Chris Kidney down in Tucson it was talking about is, does Tucson have a problem that a majority of their schools are in 4A and 5A and they only have like a handful of teams in 3A and a majority of those teams in 3A are excelling and the ones in, in 4 and 5A are struggling to get wins. Now, do you feel like the 4A and 5A just in Tucson is oversaturated or the two, uh, 4A and 5A in the, in the entire state is oversaturated? Um, I can say that from 2A to 6A, they're all kind of oversaturated a little bit. Uh, you know, there's teams that should not be where they're at, regardless of what the school size is. They should not be, you know, in 6A. Like, I, And I'll, I'll throw a couple of teams out there like, Rincon uh, should not be where they're at. I think no. that they should be a couple levels down. Uh, you know, you can go into Empire, Douglas, you know, all these teams that are struggling where they're at. I mean, we used to play against Empire in mm-hmm. 3A and you and they were competitive. They were very competitive. I think that the AIA, you know what? No, I, I actually I'll, I'll change that up. I think that the Tucson teams need to fight a little bit more on where they want to be, because, you know, to me, you can't have too many Tucson teams down in the 2A and 3A levels, even though some of us might think that they need to be there. Uh, But, I mean, it's no different than looking at our Pinal County teams. To me, I don't feel, as of right now, Maricopa should be a 5A team. You know, so they need to fight for their chance to go down to 4A, where I think they would excel a little bit better, especially being a growing community that's now having three uh, high schools that they have to compete with to get top tier talent in that community. Now, do you think that they'll drop down to 4A based on enrollment because of those students leaving for, uh, what is it, Sunrise Mountain and end up wanting to turn in their, their ram horns for some Golden Hawk wings? Um, I don't think so. I mean, I uh, from what I've been kind of dissecting on it is unless the AIA absolutely thinks you need to move down or you need to move up, if you don't fight for it, you're not going to go nowhere. You know what I mean? And so it... To me, uh, you know, whether it's the Tucson teams, Pinal County teams, or there's even some uh, Phoenix teams that don't need to be where they're at. And uh, unless they're, you know, their athletic director, their school board are fighting for those teams to get where they want to be, those teams are never going to excel. And and you'll see which teams are really trying to get their programs going and how much they're going to fight for them. But unless you can sit there and put out a good product, you're not going to be successful anywhere. And then that starts with... The athletic director that starts in with bringing in the right coach for that community and and being able to be, uh, bring those players in because I mean the the best point I can uh, give is Santan Foothills. How many players in Santan Valley will you say wanted to? I mean, you mentioned it earlier. Would you say wanted to go to Santan Foothills that weren't already enrolled there? And you know that's the things I look at. But they finally brought in the right coach and got that program turned around. Same with Florence. Last year, Florence was not the same team as they are now. They brought in the guy that they felt best suited their school and their community, and you see things change like that. So I think from the top on down, you have to go out there and fight for where you you want your team at. Yeah, and I think it also brings these kids wanting to say, because you'll see people coming from Santan Valley go all the way to Crane Creek. 
or go all the way to Castile or go all the way to Chandler. Like they'll they'll relocate just to be able to play football in those different types of school. But I think there's like a more of a tradition, a more of a want to stay in Santan Valley and play for at least one of these great organizations. Now, so. For sure, for sure. Uh, let's move on into uh, the 5A rankings. So as of right now, uh, Casa Grande is sitting at 18, uh, while Maricopa uh, sits at uh, 44. Um, I mean, it's going to be a tough closing game for uh, Casa Grande. It's uh, one that they must win in order to be still considered uh, one of the top 16 teams. Because like we mentioned, 4A and 5A are a little bit different. It doesn't matter if you win your region. You got to just be at least number 16. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and sometimes that doesn't even work out that way. You know, sometimes you might see 17 get picked over 16. So for Casa Grande, they definitely have to go into this week knowing that it's a must win. They have to. Uh, but let's go uh, into uh, our games that we have coming up this week, and uh, we can give our predictions on this one. Uh, we got uh, Ben Franklin, who's sitting at one and eight, traveling down to Apache Junction, who sits at six and three. Anybody want to go first, or are we all in kind of agreement for that one? I'm giving it to Apache Junction. Okay, for sure. I, I was gonna say that. That's where I had I had it at. Uh, you know, I think Apache Junction is gonna go out and do the same thing that Post and Butte did to uh, Ben Franklin just a few weeks earlier. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm gonna say it's gonna sound really disrespectful, but. I don't think Ben Franklin's going to be the Chargers. It's probably going to be like the the Chows because <laughs> I think it's going to be a dog walk because Apache Junction is going to give it to him, bro. I, yeah, I, I'm AJ all the way on this one. Let's move into uh, Verado, who's 4-5, and five, and going to be taking on Casa Grande, who's also 4-5. and five. And as we just mentioned, a must win for Casa Grande. Do you guys think that they can pull this one out? I would say Casa Grande, it's at, it's at their house. You know, they need they need to win this, like you were saying. So, you know, I, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt and say Casa Grande on this one. Yeah, I'm, I'm fully behind Casa Grande on this one. It, there hasn't been a, an entire time in this season where I'm, I'm not with them. I think the hardest part of our season with football was trying to do our top 10. Mm-hmm. Try to make that as fun as possible and to try to make everything make sense of where, you know, where these teams are. Um, but yeah, it, this is a must win game as they play the Vipers. This is something where I need to see five, 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 two, and everybody in that blue and gold uniforms, you know, go hard. And, and one thing I'm looking forward to and, I, and I'm hoping to look at the next with, you know, following the game is DK. This is your final game in that uniform, bro. This is the last time you're going to wear 11 for CG. Ball out, bro. Get Use your hands that 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 you've been you know so blessed with in these past couple of games and, and these past couple of seasons, actually, and, and pull out this win so you guys can get into the playoffs. Because like you said, they're at 18, just on the outside looking in. If you can put away the Vipers and put away them decisively, the AIA would have... Uh, you would have a shot to be in the playoffs possibly. And if the AIA doesn't put you in there, it would be really tough for them because you guys have had a really, really tough schedule. And, and for you guys to to be four and five a year after winning a state championship and being put into one of, not one, the toughest 5A region, man, that you guys deserve it. I would uh I would definitely agree with that. I don't know what happened against uh, ALA Queen Creek. I didn't get a chance to uh, catch up on that game. But Verado is a team that I feel it's kind of like Mesquite. You don't you don't know too much about them uh, this year, but at the same time, they're not going to be a walkover. You know, I'll, I'll say that up front. But I think that Casa Grande, uh, you know, being at home, this could be the final 
game for uh, those seniors if they don't make the playoffs. They're going to go out there and try uh, to uh, run this team out the building. And, you know, I know Coach Luna – uh, he gives a great, some of the greatest speeches, man. You know, he's he's going to want to put an exclamation point on this season and uh, try to blow Verado out the water. And I think that they're going to do that, um, especially with so much on the line. All right, let's move into the next game, which will be the Vista Grande Spartans traveling all the way down south to Douglas to face a team that's four and five. Now, when we looked this at when we looked at this one on our schedule, this was a little bit out of our ways. We're like, I don't feel like traveling that far. But but do you have the Spartans back on this one against the Bulldogs? Um, I think it's going to be a good game. I, I really think it's going to be a little bit closer than what some might expect. You know, um, I don't know whatever how everybody really feels about Douglas. Uh, you know, we saw how they played last year uh, in 4A. Uh, but I think Vista Grande uh, has enough, uh, you know, even though they're young, they have enough uh, in order to uh, knock off the Bulldogs. Um but it, I think it's going to be probably like as close to like maybe two touchdowns. I, I don't uh, foresee a blowout this game. I don't know. I mean, Vista loves their road games. They 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 love posing in, in that and opposing uh, locker room and and getting you know by those notable signs and figures. I, I think that this is one where Vista pulls it out and they get another tremendous photo opportunity. What, what do you, what are your thoughts on this, D? Um, you know, I'm gonna play devil's advocate here. Hell yeah. I'm gonna say Douglas. I'm gonna say they. Pull the upset and give it a dub. Okay. All right. So you're already uh, making enemies with the Spartans so far. No, I'm just kidding. No, no. You no know if, we, it, we, if it wasn't that, it was definitely when he said, well, Vista, well, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, no, I mean, like I said, that's why we love to give our honest opinions because, I mean, there's many times where I've had to tell Loopy, like, hey, bro, like, you sure you want to be, you know, it's okay to go against the, you know, our county teams if you really think they're going to lose. No, nah, no, nah, I'm okay. And I'll just look at him like, all right. <laughs> hey, <laughs> good cop, I, bad cop, bro. Good cop, bad cop. Because I, I don't know if you know, at the end of the year, we or, you know, actually at the preseason predictions. Damn. We both uh, betted each other. Whatever teams make the playoffs, those are the options for us to dye our hair at the end of the season. Oh, wow. For whoever uh, doesn't get the uh, most uh, wins from our predictions at the Good. beginning of the season. So you better hope that, uh, like, Combs or somebody don't make it. Cause... Get at me next week, bro. Get at me <laughs> next week when, when the season's over and we can tally this all up. You, your hair is short right now, but I will dye it and make it. <laughs> Blonde and silver like Cisco for the first week, and then we'll put the colors in afterwards. We'll, we'll, <laughs> yeah, there we'll, we go. We'll oh. get there. Let's talk about the Combs Coyotes, who will be visiting the Arcadia Titans. Combs sits at six and three, and Arcadia is five and four. Yodi, with both of these teams sitting pretty much close to you know where they are record wise, and with Combs being on the road that they are, do you think that Combs goes in and steamrolls the Arcadia Titans, or is this going to be a good one? You know, they. I would say. Just for positioning in the playoffs, I'm gonna give it to Combs. They need they need this just to be able to you know be more competitive in the playoffs. So I think they'll come out get the win. You know, um, Arcadia is five and four, like you said. So I don't think it'll be like they'll be rolling them over. I think it'll be a good close game. All right, what are your thoughts? Oh, I'm gonna take uh, Combs all the way, man. I I've seen uh, some of the results from Arcadia's matchups, and I think that Combs has enough to. Uh, put the smack down on them. That's I, all I'm going to say. I'm the same. I think that's why I use the term I did with steamroll because I, I don't use those terms often. Like like I, when I called the, the Chargers chows, that's just what it's going to be. Like it's going to be if for some ungodly reason Ben Franklin is able to put it on Apache Junction 
or Arcadia is able to put it on combs, then I, you know I'll have to eat my words next episode and be like, you guys. But well, no, 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 I'm not looking forward to that. And Arcadia is going to come to play because they're they're sitting at 18, mm-hmm. at number 18 yeah. right now in uh, 4A. So they're they're going to try to uh, sneak one out themselves. Uh, but let's wrap it up with uh, Post and Butte at six and three, traveling to ALA Gilbert North, who's seven and two. And if uh, my rankings are correct. Uh, ALA Gilbert North is the number one team in 4A. So what are you guys' thoughts on this one? This is a toughie. This was a, this was a game that was really hard to not make our game of the week. And the only reason why we didn't necessarily go with it, because the, the game of the week, we'll talk about this in a little bit. There's something special there. But I, I want Post and Butte to win this one. There's mm-hmm. It's not... It's not a, a chance of whether, uh, uh, you know, it's going to be a good game. It's, of course it's going to be a good game. They're playing, like you said, the number one team in 4A. And ALA Gilbert Norris' performance, you know, in the past and in, in this uh, current season shows that they're going to be a really, really tough matchup for the Broncos. Yeah, it's going to be a fight for both of these teams. I think um, Post and Butte pulls it off, though. Just yeah. because that seems such a comeback type of team, and they lost pretty bad last week, so I think they're going to just come back and get that dub for. The Have Broncos. they lost two games in a row this season? I don't think so. No. I don't so, uh, no, no, I'm with you, Yodi. I got Post and Butte by by. Oh wait, look at that face that D's making. Are, are you going to go against Post and Butte in this one? I am. Ooh. Uh, ju- I mean, just because of what, and I and I know it's been like weird because we've seen a lot of teams like Snowflake, St. Mary's, they've uh, Coconino, they've mm-hmm. all played Apache Junction and Post and Butte. Coconino uh, barely lost to Post and Butte, but beat Apache Junction. Uh, Snowflake uh, lost to Apache Junction, but beat Post and Butte. I've seen what ALA Gilbert North has done to Post or to Apache Junction. And for some reason, I feel that it might be a little bit closer than their final score. But, man, there's just something about this. I've been following this ALA Gilbert North team for, you know, uh, since last year, like trying to figure out how, why they are so good. But Mm -hmm. I don't know, man. It's just something about the Eagles that it's just like they're number one for a reason. I mean, I hope that Post and Butte pulls that upset. But I'm going to go back to your favorite quote. Prove me wrong. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? If, if you want to be the best, you got to beat the best. And right now, I think that they're the best team in 4A. And so I'm going to go with the Eagles. All right. Now that you said that, let's get into our game of the week. Our game of the week will be on Thursday this week. The South Mountain Jaguars, who are 4-5, and five, will be visiting the winless Maricopa Rams, who are 0-9. Now, a lot of you are probably listening to this like, why are these guys going to see a team that hasn't won a game this season? Well, let me list them a little bit. One, we haven't had the chance to go out to Maricopa to experience a game at all. Um, two, we have great people out there that we haven't had that type of uh, natural interaction with that we've been actually waiting for. And three, it, it was this is something that's, that's kind of personal. Like, I want to go to this game and witness maricopa get their first win i want to to say that i got to see a team that was you know had all these negatives in their season and and it ultimately ended up in losses for them but when we went to that final game we we watched them will themselves to a win and i don't want to say that we'll have a factor in that win 
but I want to see them get that satisfaction of getting their first win at home. Yeah, um, honestly, for me, uh, I, I'm going to the Post and Butte and Gilbert North game, so I'll be attending there. But, um, yeah, I mean, seeing Maricopa, if they can pull off that win, I think that'd be pretty big for their you know, coming up to the next season. Both of you took the words out of my mouth because, yes, yeah, so we know what the game of the week should have been, you know, um, but at the same time, I mean, we are trying to build this community, you know, and get to know everybody in this community. And even though this game has no playoff implications or, you know, we're not going to see either team make the playoffs, it's the fact of this team has been so close from winning a the game. They've been ahead at halftime they've been ahead all the way to the fourth quarter and it just somehow slips out of their grasp at the very end being at home last game of the season I know them seniors want to go out on a high note and like you said I just want to be a part of it and be able to experience uh, that that win and also experience what life is like you know in the Maricopa community because I mean there's some schools that surprise us every year on just how big of a student section they have, how much engagement they get, you know, from the faculty, from the parents and stuff like that. I want to see and and I know a Maricopa is a community like that, but they just haven't been able to put the wins together and I think that this might be the night. I'm not going to sit there and say without a doubt that they will win, but I think that this will be the night that they can finally say, hey, you know what? For four quarters, we put it all together and we got ourselves a victory. I'm with that. And one thing that I'm looking forward to for sure is actually getting to spend some time with our Maricopa correspondent, Vincent Howe. And Vince, I, I got to give you a public apology. I'm sorry I didn't post your photos when I originally promised you, but it's been a long bye weekend and, and I could give you a bunch of other excuses, but they'll get posted soon, brother. Um, but a little fun fact, the South Mountain Jaguars were once the South Mountain Rebels, and they changed their name in 1985 because they noticed that a majority of their players who were African-American were playing under a Confederate flag because their mascot was the Rebels. So pretty good you know, change, but I mean, it's interesting. Su- yeah, it's, it's definitely, yeah, like you said, it's definitely an interesting change of names, how you can go from something so stoic as a Rebel to a Jaguar. I mean, you went from the Indians to uh, the uh, commanders. commanders. I mean, like, you know, it, it's crazy. Like, no, uh, no, no, for, no, it wasn't for, the Indians. It was the Indians to the Guardians and the Redskins right? to Red the Commanders. The, there we go. Yeah, 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 yeah. My, that was I my, mean, my yeah, that, that's a pretty cool fact of the day, man, because yeah. like, like I said, I would have never guessed that. But they kept the same colors, though. That light baby blue and red, which which are two totally clashing colors, but they make work I know, somehow. It does, it does, it does. But then at the same time, doesn't uh, Tennessee have that, that same color scheme, don't they? The Titans? Oh, yeah. They do. Oh, the they Titans, light, yeah. Blue, dark blue, and then red. So I yeah. thought you were talking about the Vols. I was like, no, they're, they're orange. orange and white. Orange. They're orange and white. But, uh, I mean, a like, great fact, man. I appreciate that one because, like, that that's a great reason to have to change uh, your your mascot's name. I mean, we're seeing it, uh, you know, in today's age. So for them to get that done way back then, that's they were ahead cool. of their time. Yeah, hey, yeah, exactly. Uh, but you know, before we uh, wrap up the show, I mean, I'm we we can go on another half an hour with everything going on uh, for this season. But uh, you know, we we could wrap things up uh, right there. Uh, is there any announcements that you guys might have or anything coming up that you want to let the people know about? What about you, Yodi? I know that a lot of those Post and Butte players are going to be excited to see you out there, and we'll make sure you, we'll make sure we get you fitted with some varsity breakdown gear so they know who you are when you're out there. And uh, what what are your thoughts looking forward to this week? 
Uh, I want I want to see a good game post, and that's really what I want to see. But yeah, you you guys will catch me out there. I'll take some pictures. Um, but yeah, I, I really want to see Post and win and beat the number one team in their division. So also uh, let everybody know too uh, where they can follow you and everything like that. Uh, you know, so we we could get you uh, some views out there as well, especially uh once we get you acclimated with the whole um our whole social media following and how can they contact you? Plug it. Yeah, <laughs> there we go. Uh, Instagram, it's yo period D seven uh, O's. And then I'm also on the keeping it 4k podcast where I do a podcast with my girl Mila. So catch me on there and then, you know, I'm going to be here as well. So, you know, it's definitely great to have you for this experience. I, I I'll, I'll ask you off air about, you know, how, how your experience was and what you're looking forward to next week. Um, but one thing that I wanted to make, uh, an announcement about was this uh, for the past couple of weeks we've been having uh players of the week this year we're going to do a little something different last year we we played around with the name breakout player now our breakout player is going to be a end of the year award this year we're going to have one for offense defense and special teams but we're going to do something different as well we're also going to have a coach of the year and that's something i'm really excited for because all of our award winners are going to have something tangible to take home and and represent that award and and that's something you spoke on earlier that a coach of the year award is definitely needed and well deserved in one of our teams and we'll get to that on on a later episode but i'm really excited that we're going to be able to to do something like this and 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 acknowledge those big performers in our county yeah definitely a lot to look forward to uh there um i really don't have anything else on my end yo d i appreciate you finally being able to come on and you know get acclimated to what we do i hope you enjoyed it and you know we look forward to you being with us in the near future you know from here on out uh enjoy that game out in post and butte or yeah. actually in gilbert north let uh let us know how that's going uh loopy i'll see you uh thursday night uh down in maricopa but other than that fellas you guys got any last words take it easy